Coming up next on Contemplate. And so if you struggle with anxiety, with medical anxiety or depression, can I just tell you that there's hope? That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church, and you're listening to another Contemplate podcast. Anxiety or worry, whatever you want to call it, have a stranglehold on many of our lives. We seem to worry about everything, and it's not healthy or what God wants. And for the next few podcasts, Pastor David will help us find hope and peace from God's Word. Here's today's lesson recorded live at Axe Church. Ann Landers was a newspaper columnist who would give advice to people who wrote her letters. She did this for like 47 years, started in 19, I think, 55. And she would receive an average, an average of 10,000 letters a month. Okay, every month, 10,000 letters. So for those of you who are under 30, letters are we, there's paper and a pen. You fold it up, you put it in a piece of paper and you put a stamp on it and a person carries it to somebody else's on a pony um, to somebody else's house. So that's the way we used to communicate. There was no other way to communicate. And they would, you know, and letters would write things in newspapers, which were these papers that they'd print all this stuff on. You'd come to your house every day and you'd read them instead of just getting it off of your phone. It was an amazing time. Um, but that's how it worked. And she'd get 10,000 of these. People who wrote paper letters every month and she'd read through them. And somebody asked her, um, you know, what was the theme? This was, she was an advice columnist, so I haven't mentioned that. She was giving people advice. She was people, their pro, they had problems, right? And somebody asked, what's the theme? What, what's everybody's problem? What's the theme? And this is what she said. She said, the one problem above all others seems to be fear. People are afraid of losing their health, their wealth, and their loved ones. People are afraid of life itself. Fear, panic, distress, anxiety. Ann Landers saw this, saw fear or anxiety as the biggest thing that people were struggling with. And she was dealing with a lot of people who wrote to her. Now, this is not new. Uh, Psalm 94, 19, the psalmist says this, when my anxious inner thoughts become overwhelming, your comfort encourages me. The psalmist, thousands of years ago, is looking to God for encouragement, for strength, because he's dealing with these anxious inner thoughts that are overwhelming, could not handle them. It was that way then, and it's that way now. We are still looking for answers to how to deal with the overwhelming anxious thoughts that tend to overcome us. And God in the Psalms had an answer, and God today has an answer, but the world does not. The world does not. So what's anxiety? Anxiety is, it's fear. It's fear that seriously affects our minds and our bodies. It's worries about things that might happen or things that are happening, right? It's, it's worrying. Fear, anxiety, worry, they're all kind of the same thing. Uh, when, did, when did people, human beings, start to experience fear? Well, let's take a look at that, okay? We're going to go back to the book of Genesis, and we're going to look at this. It, it starts in Genesis 3. If you have your Bibles, you can grab them. If not, you got a phone, or you can look on the screen. Uh, it says this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, 
and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded that you should not eat? He heard God. He knew he was in trouble, and he was afraid. He knew he had sinned. He knew he had messed up. And the experience that came immediately was fear. It was fear. As soon as sin entered, fear entered. That's when it came, right away, as soon as sin came. Fear is a result of the fallenness of this world. Fear is a result of sinfulness. Adam and Eve, prior to that point, had nothing to worry about. Nothing to be afraid of. They, they were with God. They walked with God. They knew that God was taking care of them. Everything was taken care of. They weren't worried about it. They didn't even know that nakedness was a thing. They were just whatever, right? Doing their thing. And all of a sudden, deception, right? Sin and fear. Deception, sin, and then fear. Here's, here's a, a definition of worry, from Google. It says, a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. Actual or potential problems. Worry and anxiety are all mixed up together. So for any of you who, who see the, the message about anxiety and you're like, I don't think I suffer from anxiety. If you worry at all, you have anxiety problems. Anxiety and worry are the same thing. It's some kind of fear that we're letting in about actual or potential problems. Now there really is actual Real problems sometimes, the things that are happening right now that you probably should be afraid of, right? Some of you probably don't mind, like when you go to the doctor, some of you probably don't mind getting shots, right? Raise your hand if you just, it doesn't, it's not a big deal to you. Liars. <laughs> you people. Seriously, somebody is taking a needle and jabbing it into your body, and you're like, I don't care. Which is exactly what I lie about and pretend to when I go to the doctor every time. You know, I go in there and I'm, I, I, I hate them. Okay, they're sticking, you know, but I'm, I go in there and I'm like, yeah, doc, go ahead. You sure that needle's big enough to uh, get through this bicep here? You might want to get that thing a little bigger, jam it in a little harder, you know, because I want to act like I don't care. But really inside, I'm like, this is going to hurt. Don't scream like a girl. Don't scream like a girl. No offense, girls. Just the scream is higher pitched. That's all I'm saying. Um, you know, and I'm thinking that I'm thinking, is, is it really worth getting this shot just to avoid tetanus, right? I mean, because I can deal with that. I, I would rather deal with that than the shot. There's some things we're afraid of. There's some things we're afraid of in the moment. And those fears are directly related to something that's actually happening, right? There's about to be pain. I'm a little bit afraid because I don't like pain. Okay. That kind of fear, those kinds of struggles, they're scary. They cause fear. Um, we got to be strong on the Holy Spirit. We got we to walk through and, and grit our teeth with some of that stuff and deal with it. But that's really not what I want to talk about and what we're going to study over these next two weeks. I want to talk about the kind of fear and worry and anxiety that exists about things that might happen, that 
could happen, that we don't know are going to happen, right? I think that's the kind of fear and worry and anxiety that Ann Landers was talking about. I don't think a lot of people were writing there saying, I'm about to get a shot. Tell me what to do. She couldn't write back fast enough, right? So what they were really writing about were fears and anxieties and worries about what might happen to them. And Jesus speaks directly to this in his Sermon on the Mount. He says this, he says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which it today is, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus is making a very clear point about where our trust should be. He's making a very clear point about where we should be looking for strength and power and provision. We should be trusting God, not worried about our circumstances, whether that's financially or, or clothes or what we're going to eat and drink and all that kind of stuff or anything else. He's saying there's enough, you got enough to deal with today without worrying about what might happen tomorrow. You need to be trusting God. So Jesus actually commands us, do not worry, commands us not to worry. And I wish it was easy enough for us to be like, oh, Jesus is not to do it, so we just won't do it. But it's not that easy. The problem for many of us is it's not that easy. And we struggle with worry, and we struggle with anxiety and doubt and different things. Let me tell you a personal story. Um, when I was 22 years old, I had recently gotten married. Tiffany and I had gotten married. Um, we had just had Corey, uh, my daughter, uh, a few months before. And I was in school and I was taking, I don't know, like 20-something credits, 21, 22 credits, I don't know, something like that, um, hard classes. And, you know, all these things were going on at the same time. And one night, I'm sitting there, I don't remember if I woke up from sleep or if I was sitting on the couch, and all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, I was just hit with fear. An incredible, overwhelming fear. I thought I was maybe losing my mind. I, I didn't know what was going on. It was, inc it was so scary. It was so scary. I thought, you know, maybe, maybe Satan was attacking me. I didn't know what was going on. I wasn't really walking with the Lord at the time, um, but it, it was intense. So I go and I come to find out that what this was, was a very severe panic attack. And from that point forward, for quite a long time, I struggled with panic attacks and fear of panic attacks, something people call panic disorder. I, it, was, it was incredibly debilitating. I couldn't do anything. I could not, you know, I ended up having to take like incompletes on classes in school. I, I, was, I was worthless as, as, even more worthless as a husband. I was, I was not great um, at doing much of anything. I think my wife was probably thinking, oh no, because she had just married me like a year before. And all of a sudden I'm just this 
useless person who can't do anything so wrapped up and chained to my own mind and body and fear. And it was, it was very difficult. I remember the weekend that that all happened, we came back to my parents' house, which actually is where we live now. Um, but we came back to my parents' house, and I remember the Huskies were playing the Ducks that weekend, and I couldn't even watch the game. Um, not because the Huskies were losing, which they were, um, but because the anxiety was so intense. By the way, we only lost that one game to the Ducks that year. We won every other game, including the Rose Bowl, ended up number three in the country. I told the whole anxiety story just for that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> We did lose the duck, so I, I couldn't do anything. I'm telling you, I couldn't do anything. I developed OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, some of you have probably seen the show Monk. Um, it's not like that, really. I mean, that's a great show. He's a great, great actor, but that is not what OCD is really like for people. Um, but I developed that. I've had to be on medication, all, all kinds of stuff to deal with an intense, debilitating anxiety disorder. And if statistics are correct, there's a lot of you sitting here today who have similar experiences, who have had to deal with depression or anxiety in a major way, medically, like it, like it affects your body. It's coming from somewhere else. It's, it's difficult, okay? It's tough, and you want to make it go away, and it's not easy to make it go away. Now, God has gotten me out of that through his power, through the debilitating part of it. I'm not saying I never experienced anxiety anymore. I still do struggle with anxiety this very day. But God, through his power, has got me out of that. Next week, Lord willing, I want to I dig into that a little bit more, my, my own story and how God got me out of an anxiety disorder and things like that. Um, but I want to I work not the medical anxiety side today, but the kind of anxiety that all of us deal with. Okay? So from, from what I just said, I really want you to understand that there is hope because I, was, I can tell you at the time, I, I thought it was over. I thought my life was over. I thought it was over for my, for my family as far as I was concerned, that, that they were going to have to go on without me, that I was either going to die or that something was going to happen, whatever. This was a long time ago. But God has brought me through so many things, so amazingly. And so if you struggle with anxiety, with medical and anxiety or depression, can I just tell you that there's hope, that I live a life, I'll be honest with you, I'm happy most of the time. I'm happy a lot, to be honest with you, because I'm hilarious. Um, my mom told me I was. <clears throat> um, and, you know, I have all of you, and I have my family, my children, and, and I, have, I have so much that God has given me, and I'm able to enjoy life and do things that I love to do, and, and you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I just want you to know that if you have anxiety, that kind of medical anxiety or depression, let me just tell you my first two things. We'll, we'll, we'll try to dig in this a little more next week, but my first two things are go see a doctor. Don't let this be a stigma that keeps you from going to see a doctor. Go see a doctor and get treated. It's a medical problem. It's a physical problem. Talk to me if you want to talk to somebody about it. Others in this church who have struggled with this have talked to me. Um, I'm hoping that it's been helpful to them. I'm hoping that God has used my debilitating, intense, you know, horrible anxiety disorder to at least help some of you. I think that's why we go through some of that. Um, but, but don't... Don't believe that there's no hope, because there is. Um, now, now, some people are like, oh, okay, he's weak, <laughs> right? Does anxiety, does my anxiety disorder make me weak? You bet it does. You bet it does. You better believe it. But that's not the only thing that makes me weak. I have all kinds of problems. I appreciate you not saying amen to that. I thought I might get a lot <laughs> of amens, the people who knew me the most, down to the people who knew me the least, but... Um, if you think that an anxiety disorder makes me weak, you're right, it does. And yet I'm stronger than anyone as far as I know because I'm in his strength. 
anyone that's not in his strength. I'm weak, but in his strength, I'm incredibly strong. It is in the moments in my life where God does the work when I'm weak that I have the most joy. I have, there have been Sundays where I have not had, where I have been dealing with anxiety, where I've had to take medication, where I'm just like, uh, I, my anxiety is through the roof, and I got to preach. I got to bring the word of God, and I'm sitting right here, and I'm thinking, I don't know that I can do this, and God gives me the strength and the power to do it, and I come up, and I'll watch that, vi- that sermon later, because I watch myself, because I am vain. No, I, just checking for quality, people, okay? <clears throat> And I'll be like, how is that possible? I know what I felt like five minutes before standing on the stage. How is it possible that I'm preaching with that kind of confidence? And I can see the work of the Holy Spirit. And there is nothing quite so joyful to me as knowing I can trust God like that. That he can work in my weakness. And so am I weak? Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. But God is strong. We'll get back to that in a minute. Let's talk about those of us who maybe don't deal specifically with an anxiety disorder, but we deal with what I would just call the human condition, just fleshly anxiety, okay? Because while I have a medical anxiety disorder, I also just worry sometimes, right? Just have fears, and all of you do also, right? Back to Adam and Eve in the garden, fear is part of the fall. Worry is part of the fall. And Jesus was not just talking to people with, with anxiety disorders when he gave the passage that we just read, okay? Sometimes we just worry, Sometimes we just have anxiety. Sometimes we just live in fear. We can't get to sleep at night. We're sweating. Our minds are racing. We, can't fit, we cannot get rid of the fear of the unknown. We don't know what's happening, and so we're fearful, right? Finances. Am I going to make it? Are we going to be okay? Do I have enough retirement to live to 125 years old? That's how old I'm going to be, right? No, you're not, by the way. Most of you don't look healthy enough. Okay. Our children. Our children. What's going on with our kids? Especially they get older, they're off the rails doing who knows what. My kids aren't that old yet, but some of you do have that. They're younger, they're off the rails. I remember my, my son Ethan, he's like three years old, maybe three years old. And he, and he just got tired of the things, the way things were being handled at the house, okay? He just, he just wasn't really big on it, okay? So he put on, this is, we were in Virginia at the time, living in Virginia, I was going to law school. Put on this big yellow jacket, which is kind of like this. He put on, he's like, I'm out. I've had enough, right? And he goes out the door, right? And we're like, okay, he's just gonna turn around and come, he's, he's two and a half years old, right? He's gonna be afraid. He just took off. We walked out and we just like started seeing how far, he, and he just kept, we eventually had to go get him because he was gonna go, Right? Kids, what are you going to do with these kids, right? But we worry about our children, our loved ones, our health, our mistakes, our relationships, our jobs, school, fear of embarrassment, or of pain, or of rejection, or politics, or the federal government, or whatever y'all are putting on Facebook all the time, all that stuff. We're worrying right? We're worrying. It's the normal kind of worry. We all have these kinds of fears, and Scripture speaks clearly and effectively to us about how we are to face that and deal with those kinds of fears. And the first part of it, if we want to deal with fear and anxiety, is we got to know our own weakness. You need to know your own weakness, because weakness is a fact. Y'all are weak. I'm weak. That's a fact, You know, there's a time when we know that, when we know that we're weak, a time in life 
or we totally know that we're weak and we don't mind. You know when that is? When we're children. When we're kids, kids don't think they're strong, right? Generally speaking, they don't think they're strong. They don't think they can face everything life has to offer. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm going to go crush it. And what? Kids, they can't reach the juice box on the top thing of the refrigerator. How, here's the thing. How are these little kids so cool with being weak? They're like, they don't care. They don't care. It's, uh, they, they, they don't have jobs, right? They, they, they aren't doing anything. They can't lift stuff that's heavy. They can't even wipe their own a- apples off before they... What did you think I was going to say? <laughs> Come on, guys. You wipe an apple off before you eat it. They can't do that for themselves. They can't do anything. They're kind of a joke, right? I mean, when they're first born, they're useless, right? They're pooping, they're peeing, they're screaming, they're down there, you know, their head's all misshapen. It's kind of a mess, right? And you're like, when is this kid going to get old enough to start doing the chores around here? Because that's what kind of the reason you have them, right? I mean, that, no, I'm kidding. People are like, I should not be going to this church. This guy's <laughs> terrible. I heard lawyers were bad, but this is really, really bad. No. They can't do anything, and yet, you know what? They're happy and content. They're happy and content in their weakness. They know that they're weak. They're not confused about it. They know that they're weak, and they're happy and content. Why? Because they have parents. Because their parents are taking care of them, and they are happy to be taken care of. They don't have such big egos that they don't need anybody. Except Ethan when he tried to walk away when he was two and a half years old. But most kids, they don't have these egos, right? They have these parents they're being taken care of. Why aren't we like that anymore? Because we grew up, and you know what we did? We started to believe the lie that we're self-sufficient. We started to believe the lie that we don't need anyone, that we can take care of ourselves, that we're in charge of ourselves. And as soon as that comes up, all kinds of anxieties and fears start creeping in because guess what? You can't measure up to that. You can't control enough to be in charge of everything. Can can you guarantee the health, the financial security of your loved ones? Can you guarantee that? Are you strong enough for that? No, you're not. So what happens? Fear, anxiety, because you're supposed to take care of it. That's what you've been told. You're self-sufficient. You pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. You're American, right? You know what you're doing. You're in charge. Nobody's going to tell you what to do. And at the same time, as soon as that you take the, hey, go ahead and give me that shot right here. I don't mind. In your mind, you're going, I don't know. I'm a joke. I can't figure it out. I know that's the truth. And so you deal with fear. Does that sound like you? Fearful and worried because you know how weak you really are? The good news is that the Bible tells us that when we are weak, God is strong. And on our next Contemplate podcast, our teacher, Pastor David Robinson, will give us much more truth to give us hope. And that's what we hope you get from these podcasts, that there is hope, peace, and healing as you trust in God. And if we can help you with any of that, come see us this Sunday morning at Axe Church. Get directions and all the info you need at axcamus.org or call 360-885-9000. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll check out our next episode with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.